we invite you to this coming week's message of Good Theology, a podcast ministry of the Good Theology Project, a mission of ministry to seek, sow, and spread God's kingdom of love here on earth. We cannot wait for someone else to do later what God has already called us to do here and now. To learn more about the Good Theology Project, visit us online at goodtheology.life. Grace and peace to you, friends of Good Theology. On this episode, we're actually going right, we're going to delve right into uh, scripture in the sermon because the question that we got this week um, inspired our actual sermon. Uh, And so we're going to answer the question um, in the message itself. So let's go ahead and do what we normally do and center ourselves and our intentions. Our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you, our behavior to share you. Glory be to you, God, source of all being, incarnate word and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. This episode's scripture comes from the Gospel according to John, uh, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Word of God for the people of God. Have you, ever, have you ever had that experience where you're just like minding your own business and then you get like blindsided across the face with one of those, those deep, hardcore questions of life that you just can't avoid? Um, I feel like if you have small children, you get that a lot. But um, it, it's not like that you weren't expecting those kinds of questions, but you weren't expecting it in that moment, that kind of thing, right? Well, so this week, For me, a very important person in my life asked me one of those kinds of questions, a question that was so core to our Christian experience that I had to share it with you all. He said, if I live a good life, isn't that good enough for God? If I I live a life redeemed, that I go forth and care for others, that I love God's creations and treat them with care, if I live lovingly, isn't that all I need? His question begged to know, could God be content with just our good actions? Do we, must we, believe in him? These past few weeks, we've been traveling through some Uh, Critical Christian themes, right? Christ the Redeemer, 
extending the peace of God to others. And last week, I talked about the nature of sin. This week, I want to talk about faith. When we started the Easter season, we talked about what Jesus did. We talked about what Jesus' role was in redeeming all of creation. But now that we're redeemed, now that all of creation is redeemed, must we believe in him? Now, so as a priest, right, I could have said very easily, yes, and like left it there, right? I mean, like that's like the party line of all pastors and faith leaders, right? Of course you need faith, now go away. (laughs) But as a responsible companion to someone who was on a spiritual journey, I wanted to go deeper. Years ago, the incredibly wise and holy man, Archbishop Desmond Tutu said, that if you don't think that the Dalai Lama is going to heaven, you have no idea what God is about. And that statement is, of course, deeply profound because the Archbishop is a Christian and the Dalai Lama is a Buddhist. And yet, when a little boy asked Pope Francis if his dead father was going to heaven, even though the boy's father wasn't a believer, the Pope answered that though the boy's father, quote, did not have the gift of faith, end quote, that although he was not a believer, he had his children baptized. His father clearly had a good heart. And so the Pope said, does God abandon his children when they are good? Two of the world's experts on Christian faith have unapologetically said that the gates of heaven are not closed to those who have goodness in their hearts and actions. So why do we need faith? It's not an unreasonable question even if it feels deeply uncomfortable. In the Bible, faith has a Hebrew and a Greek counterpart. Its Hebrew counterpart is emunah. And that's the kind of faith that I think it's something that we're all much more well acquainted with, right? It's a steadfastness, a firmness, a fidelity. But the Greek word for faith and believing Pistuo, the word that John uses in verses 12, 15, 16, and 18 of the gospel we've heard, that is a kind of faith defined by what he calls divine, what is called divine persuasion. It is a believing not defined by our will, but because God has persuaded us. Do we need faith? Is it necessary? I guess my reply to that is necessary for what? Is faith necessary to get into heaven? Maybe not. I tend to agree with the Anglican Archbishop and the Catholic Pope. But do we need faith because it offers us something else in our lives? I think so. As I mentioned before about this gospel, the beloved disciple is concerned with choice. 
Choosing God is necessary for John because in his own choosing Jesus in his life, he was transformed. And he was transformed in a way that is beyond telling, beyond description, even though he very much tries. What is so beautiful about this scripture that we get is that it does not involve our choice. It involves Jesus's. I am the good shepherd, he says. I know my own and my own know me, he says. I lay down my life for them, he says. I have sheep that aren't here and yet I will go after them, he says. No one makes me do it, he says. When I proposed to my now husband, I got down on one knee and asked him to be with me forever. In Say Anything, Lloyd Dobler holds up a giant boombox over his head to profess his love. And in Love Actually, Mark professes his love with giant cue cards to Juliet, and little Sam runs through the airport to get to Joanna. In Sleeping Beauty, the prince battles Maleficent the dragon and the giant vines to get to Aurora. And in Doctor Who, Rory waited for centuries, guarding the Pandorica and waiting for Amy Pond. Have you ever desired to feel wanted? Not wanted for a task or for a day, but have you ever looked into someone else's eyes and seen that they loved you and desired to be with you more than anything else? To feel that kind of love is an experience that cannot be described or faked. It can't be replicated on command or willed into existence. But when you feel it, part of your life feels complete. You have a hope, a gladness, a feeling of safety, of confidence that comes in something so intangible. Someone else loves you so fully that you feel like you can do anything. This kind of love, this kind of completeness, it's here and it is ready. And it doesn't matter if you're single or partnered. It doesn't distinguish if you are young or old. It doesn't diminish if you have led a life you're proud of or one that you've would have chosen to do something totally different. Who you are or have been does not lessen or dilute its devotion to you. Many of us have never known what it feels like to be endlessly persuaded, pursued by a good shepherd. Because we think we have to be great sheep. We've come to see the divine as just a better version of the human. But God is not human. And our understanding of his love, his devotion, his yearning for us should never be measured by our own. We live in a time divided by politics, by arguments, by media, by selfishness. We live in a time divided by everything that matters to us. 
except there is one thing that cannot divide you, cannot limit you, cannot hold back your goodness and the glory that is freely available to you. I've said in weeks past that I don't believe in a God that just gives us whatever we want. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in a God that abounds with a desire for us to flourish. We don't need material things to flourish. We don't need the perfect house or the perfect car or the perfect phone to be wrapped up in utter love. We only need one thing that is already freely given and ready. God is here and now, and he desires us in ways that no human ever can. You, whoever you are, you matter to God in ways that can never be put into words. And I laid down my life for the sheep, he said. I have other sheep I must bring into the fold, he said. It is with our faith that we don't just believe in a God, we believe in the God. Loved and adored, not just by some powerful divine presence, but by the very author of all creation itself. Faith. The divine persuasion that calls forth a steadfast devotion is not necessary for our lives, is necessary for our souls. It offers us a true feeling of completeness that is impossible by any other means. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever been in a vast room or a small one and just wanted to cry? Have you ever stared out into a crowd and felt totally isolated? Have you ever looked out into a sea of people and just wished to be fe- just wished to feel part of something bigger or felt included in something more important? None of us will escape this life without feeling lonely. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you're single or partnered with kids or grandkids. It doesn't matter if you've lived a privileged life or struggled for every single thing you have. None of us will escape the longing that our hearts have felt since the dawning of creation. All of us yearn. We desperately seek to feel held by something so much bigger than ourselves. We hunger to feed or satisfy that longing with things, with people, with food, with purpose, with whatever we can grab at. But right here and now, today, I want to remind you, all of you, that God does love. It's not that God loves us, but God is love. We believe in a divinity. We believe in a cosmic presence that when we give ourselves over to it, it fills that hole. When everyone rejects you, or when you are lifted up in praise and accolade, God is there. Privilege or suffering, joys or sorrows, loneliness or companionship, there is only one person, one thing that will hold on to you and never let go. This Easter, this Easter season, 
as we carefully reach back out into the world, as we get used to what it means to live carefully and now what it will mean to step back out in groups, now more than ever it is necessary to let in that one perfect love that can fill your heart. Choose God. I offer you the choice that the beloved disciple and all the disciples made 2,000 years ago to never be alone again. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Good Theology. To learn more, please find us online at goodtheology.life.